Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. Wait a second. Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Feeding Curiosity. And it's been a little while, but my good buddy Jordan, he came back and he came up with an idea for a podcast. And we're going to talk about celebrity and art. And so without further ado, let's get into it. Alrighty then. So, um... Introduce yourself since you haven't been on the podcast no, before. Wait, not on this one? No. Jordan hasn't been on Feeding Curiosity before. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, this is the first time. Alright, well, hello. <laughs> my oh. name is Jordan Chris. Um, my first time on Feeding Curiosity. Um, yeah, alright, so... Oh, that's about it. That's, yeah. yeah. Nailed it. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> um, alright, so... Getting to the point, basically, what I wanted to talk about is kind of like how art should be viewed, um, like different than the artist, like aside from the artist, if that makes sense. Um, and specifically, what sparked kind of this thought that I haven't really thought of before until recently is: um, Do you guys know who that XXX Tentacion? No. Dude, I saw I, only on memes. Like, yeah. Have you have you heard like you kind of are aware of his presence? Like though? he was an asshole like, like, and then he died and people were like fuck this dude yeah. or whatever. Yeah, right. yeah. More or less, yeah. So <laughs> that um, proper summary. Yeah. <laughs> so basically this dude, young dude, I think he's like 9 or he passed away. So I think he was like 19. Well, maybe 20 super young, super young. Point is um but he had come onto the scene from SoundCloud and stuff and had this like huge hit song. And it was pretty good, right? And then, like, I heard that. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, kind of misogynistic, but, like, whatever. I took it for what it was. Looked into more of his stuff, and he was super diverse. He did songs from, like, being, like, on the Jay-Z style of rap to being, like, on the ignorant style of rap to doing, like, screamo rock music. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, he was literally... And then he did, like, spoken word stuff, I think he did. Um, not sure, but he was, like, all over, and he kind of prided himself on being like I just like all music and I want to make all music and I'm like okay that's pretty cool so I got super into him right like really listen to all this stuff and then some allegations came out that he did and it's really not funny there's like really disturbing um the long and short of it is he was like super abusive to his um his ex-girlfriend or his girlfriend at the time to the point where I read an article was saying he like trapped her in his in a room or something like that and like locked her there um because he had went to jail before or something and then she had like moved on and then he got out and was pissed um so like trapped in a room like wouldn't let her leave and then she like tried to escape and he beat the shit out of her and she's pregnant at the time and uh, beat the shit out of her to like... the point where she went blind whoa Jesus. yeah so that is the allegations that were against him he swears up and down that it wasn't true um and, but there's multiple people saying no that like did happen. Um, did you ever go to like court or anything? Yeah, I think the trial was pending because he was in jail. Like he went to jail, got out, then went to jail. You know what I mean? And then posted bail for that trial. Yeah. And then got out and like it was an ongoing thing. Um, and he was I don't know where it was at. I didn't really look into it, but he was saying he didn't do it. So after I read that, when I first heard he abused his girlfriend, I was kind of like. I took it and the artist standpoint that I'm like it's super easy for someone if they're bitter at the time with someone and then that person gets famous to just say oh they hit me you know right, right. or they did this or that to, to get money so at first I was like okay whatever it's it's none of my business the dude makes good music whatever and then I read the the details and I was like dude 
I can't buy into this person anymore. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can't feed and, like, pay into what he does because mm-hmm. then I'm literally supporting, like, a domestic abuser, if that's yeah. what you call it. So then just last month or so, dude, like, gets shot. Someone was trying to rob him or something. He bought a car, and then someone, like, came up and shot him tried to rob him. Um, and he had a – like, he it was weird because he put up a video – either the night before or that day, saying he felt like he was going to die. He was like, I feel like something's going to happen to me, I'm going to die. So it was like, everyone was saying it was super weird. Um, anyway, that's besides the point. I was He came out with the album. I don't know if it was done. I don't know if he had like released it or if it was kind of like a post-mortem thing. Um, came out with the album, and it like shot to number one on the charts, obviously. So I listened to it, and I was like, this is actually like one of the best albums that have come out this year and that's saying a lot because all the good music that's been coming out lately um and so i don't know if you guys have seen but a lot of people have been kind of saying like oh like people are obviously saying like rest in peace blah 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 all that stuff but then there's people who are coming out and saying like oh we shouldn't care like he was a piece of shit yeah and uh, and it's just weird to me and you guys can give your opinion on this but it's weird to me because i'm like okay but the music is good and they're like no, it's not good. He, like, he abuses girlfriend. I'm like, well, what does that have to do with what he's putting out? Yeah, I mean, that's an artistic attack, basically. It's like, <clears throat> just because he's a dick doesn't in- immediately mean that the music is bad. Mm-hmm. There's, right. Those two things can be separated. Like, you can have good music, and you can have an asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or the other way around, you can have a really nice person who makes shit music. Like, so what? Yeah. Yeah. Just because they're nice doesn't mean the music You can look back through history, and a lot of our historical figures were all have a very checkered past when you look into their personal lives. Oh, historically, yeah. Well, (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, if you you look through that lens, like, the lens that these people are looking at that person because it's relevant now, you would go back through history and say all of our, like, if you're inclined to throw (laughs) this guy's music out because he was an asshole and that you think that that's valid... I mean, it's not valid, but let's say you think that it is. Then you could, what I think what you're getting at, Wenzel, is that you could go through all of history and throw everybody's good idea out right. because everybody's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you dig deep, you know, there was a, I forget his, who was, what the guy's name was, but he was an official in the Soviet Union, and he was quoted as saying, um, show me the man and I'll show you the crime, mm. which was, I mean, in the Soviet Union context, it was, I'll right. literally figure out what you did because I know you did something and we'll right, fuck yeah. you up because we have the government power and it was just part of the culture, you know, I, right. because it had downgraded at that point. But you can still apply that to history because you're gonna. there's not a single person in the world who hasn't done something shitty. And all you have to do is find the right amount of shittiness and then you can throw away whatever it is they did. Yeah, that's true. And with that, though, I kind of feel like artists should be held to a almost a lower standard or, like, a separate standard than, like, people of significant importance does that make sense so like let me think of an example so just okay so go back to like certain forefathers and say they like laid the groundwork for things to kind of pave the way as it is now right right they may have had and maybe not so evil but may have had a very narrow view on what they wanted you know what i mean and not so like open as it turned out to be like, the way they pictured stuff turning out may not have been at all what they wanted right, it to turn it, out. Okay. So, taking that into context, saying those, maybe those people did, you know, this thing wrong or that thing wrong. Um, I'm just thinking, for an artist, it's kind of like, 
the their work that they're putting in doesn't necessarily directly affect people because it's at the end of the day it's just art to be viewed or listened to or whatever so I feel like the standard should be different oh, right. between oh, the two. Okay, so like, as sense. opposed to like a legal standard. Right. That, yeah. Right, right, right. It's not an immediate smack to the nature of the society. Like doesn't hold in the, the same power. way that right, like somebody like the president might has more. More the decisions the president makes might have a more of an immediate effect on the nature of society, than an artist might. Otherwise. Yeah. Exactly. That makes. So sense. I think in the long run you could make a good argument for the art really changing the society. Yeah, because this artwork is bubbles up. In some sense, it's like in a depicting. Way. And though I think the broader reach that the art... I, I don't I don't really buy the arguments that, like, violent music or whatever makes violent people. No, that's BS. I think it's probably more like a violent culture or violent subculture right. makes the violent music. But... Yeah. I don't know, I mean, I, I can't imagine that it isn't a, some form of a reinforcing element to the culture that it speaks to. If it seems to, if it validates it. If it validates it. Because you can have an artist that comes from a violent place and wants, and talks about it and depicts violence, but doesn't do so in a glorious kind of a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just either says it as it is or says the consequences that are negative of it and is, acts as a deterrent perhaps or or that that person might act as or just expelling their own demons kind of like not demons well, I'm, I'm like, thinking kind of of Kendrick Lamar like he talks about like the what it was like growing up in that kind of a world and the violence that's there but it, there's he doesn't exactly glorify it or, right you know what I mean like what's the um, ah, what's the name of that song um, all right dying of thirst oh that one too yeah right like the the story that's going on that like somebody just died and like it's this situation where the I think the grandmother in the story ends up kind of like sitting them all down and saying like why are you so angry like can't mm. relax and yeah. in that way he depicts the violence that happens but doesn't make it a doesn't good feed thing. on it and even shows like the counter to that right but on the other hand you could have an artist that is from that world lives off of it and is all about it right right like that's their thing. <clears throat> and I think there's that's kind of empty to some degree, but also I could imagine that both of those do have an influence on the culture. It's just hard to tell right. and hard to pick up exactly where. Exactly. And some of those artists get demonized, and then, like, if you meet them or, like, hear them speak, they're, like, super intelligent and super not... Right. Like, that's the exact opposite, and they're just, like, it's Like, sells. what you expect. You know what I mean? And that, that's, yeah. that plays into the point where I'm, like, that's why I feel like... I feel Eminem like, was almost demonized to that. Oh, not, yeah, for like sure. in the beginning. Yeah, I think Eminem liked it. Well, yeah, to some yeah. <laughs> he, it was his like his style, but like, yeah, similar to that. He he's I, really mellowed out though. Yeah, now because he's I mean the dude's like forty something years old. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a daughter. Right, yeah. <laughs> an adult, he's chilled out. Yeah. And that's why side note. That's why I feel like his career is stuck. Like he, no matter what he does, he'll never be right. Because he's in a point where there's people on this side saying, dude, go back to the stuff you used to do. Like, we miss that Eminem. Like, where is but that? But that was 20 years thing? ago. <laughs> yeah, the dude was, like, 20-some years old. And then there's people saying, like, dude, you're 40 years old, talking about, like, 
like killing people and like being misogynistic like that's not like dude you're grown as fuck yeah and so then when he tries to take that route people are like what the fuck that we don't want this this is corny and then he goes the other way and they're like you know what i mean so he's, yeah, he's stuck rocking a hard place yeah <laughs> so that's why i'm like dude you know what just he's stuck in the quote like, unquote retire old, yeah. yeah just like hang it up you did what you did you broke so many records you're that's a really good you point. have nothing to prove at this point just nothing he can do will make everyone happy yeah, I almost think that he should just find the thing he actually wants to talk about and fuck the fans. Who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares what they that's, say? That's really what it, what kind of... I think that if yeah. you're being honest, you'll catch an audience regardless. More, yeah. Yeah, you write, you write for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Not for someone else. Yeah. But maybe he'll figure that out. Or maybe he won't. Or maybe he'll retire. Yeah. It's something. But yeah, um, it's, it's, I just find it so wrong to demonize people after art or vice versa you know what i mean like if you hear a song you hear whatever song or even maybe not so much movies but even movies that are like you super hear for dark. tv shows tv shows yeah like for the, sure. what was the one that just got canceled Ten. house of cards uh, yeah kevin spacey but i mean I guess uh, that's yeah. tough though those are tough but that's, it's this it's similar though it's yeah because it's I don't. I wouldn't even know a solution to that. I, I don't know a solution to that <laughs> like, either. But I'm bringing it up. Know. It's it's along the same lines. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little weird. But it's also I kind of don't care because I lost track of House of Cards. <laughs> yeah, I never watched the show. I've Neither heard it. The first couple seasons are good, and now it's kind of just nah. Just lost it. Yeah. Yeah, everyone because like my favorite show is Breaking Bad, and everyone's like, if you like Breaking Bad, you'll like House of Cards. I don't know. That's, if that's what I've true. heard, but yeah. I don't know either. Yeah. It starts really, really good and just slowly gets whatever. Just turn Mez out? Yeah. So there's too much TV to watch. That's seriously. Yeah, there is. Yeah. You can never catch up. No, like there's always something else to watch. Yeah. And then you end up just watching The Office again. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's what I That is so true. Yeah. I've seen that show like six times. But yeah, I mean, the only solution I can think of is keep the show going but get a different actor. Yeah, that that would that would be what I would say. Yeah, you can't just say. Yeah, I mean they could write him out. Yeah, exactly. Somehow, which they might. I think they were going to anyway, or had a plan to do that anyways. Yeah, but then it happened. I don't know, man. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But going back to the art stuff, it's like it's almost like the same stuff where where people, when any artist passes away, they become instantly more popular. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the same thing as when there's a controversy around an artist that just drives it. And almost in any sort of celebrity, like, the biggest one right now is Jordan Peterson. If you hear it from people who don't know him, he's highly, highly polarized. But when you talk to people who, like, have him on podcasts or whatever, he's... There's a completely different view of him. And it's just like, where are people getting these ideas from? You know, it's the same... It's kind of like what you're talking about, where everyone mm-hmm. just says he's a horrible person because they see the headline. Why do people say that? I don't. I've never heard that. I'm curious. Oh, about him, Peterson. Yeah, yeah. it's because it's the all the uh, interviews he does with other media platforms, not podcasts. They like then excerpt him and make him sound like, or they make him into hit pieces. Yeah, well, that I mean that's a bit different, but I mean part of that is a political game. Well, yeah, <clears throat> that's being played out in the media. But. Uh, I guess the broader point would be maybe it's just something that occurs to anyone in the public eye. Right, yeah. I've been, I've been thinking about that for a little bit. Because well, you get diluted. 
Because like you, I think you, you what happens is you become a character caricature of, of yourself. yourself or of your idea, not think, even yourself. Hmm. Well, it's of the stuff both. you say, it's both. It's it's because the if especially on old media, because all that the people will see on old media is the short period of time that you're on the screen. So let's take late night TV for example. Like if you're watching late night, it's a five minute interview. Interview. Yeah, yeah, five minutes. And you make jokes and you're all makeuped up and you talk about the movie you're in or the book. And you're just (laughs) related to, like the character you're playing if you're an actor. So what people think of you as is either the character you play or the characters you play, and that five minute clip. So they get a Mm. like an infinitesimal sliver. Of the nuance of your character, of who you are as a yeah. human being. There's an ungodly number of hours of your life that exist outside of that small frame of reference that's provided on TV. Yeah. So it's super easy to just make this. That's why I said caricature. This like distorted, not really quite grounded in reality simulation of the real person, and that. That happens to anyone in the media, regardless of where you're at. So you could be an artist, and all they know of you is your music. But your, I mean, your music can say a lot about you if you're really vulnerable in it. But yeah. even then, it's still not the same thing as spending time with a person. And they just get the interviews, and they see the bullshit on TMZ and whatever. There's this yeah. <laughs> fake version of you that's in the minds of everyone around. There's nothing to almost nothing to do with like the, the scratch and sur- the scratch the surface of the ideas. Yeah, it's whatever. like really it's a surface nano deep. portion of the real human. Right. That's why I really just enjoy listening to the podcasts because you get a very nuanced opinion of these people because you can assume on surf at the surface they're you know whatever their bio says in the intro of the podcast whatever that is. Yeah. You know, but then once you really get into it, you're like, wait a minute, there's a lot more here than I would ever have guessed. So you don't think people who interview on podcasts may go into it knowing how they're perceived and, like, playing to that? Mm, probably depends on the person. Depends yeah. on who's the interviewer. That has been my issue, and I can't say one specifically, but not necessarily just podcasts, but interviews in general. Um, I feel like it's really easy to tell when someone's being fake. And, like, if I get that early on, I won't listen through. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, and then I may miss, like, something that, you know, could have been mm-hmm. super eye-opening or, you know, because just because someone comes off as fake doesn't necessarily mean they don't have something to say. Right. But it just, it just turns I it off so much. I just had a weird issue with. And Jordan Peterson was one of the only, is one of the only people, and, like, his frame of work is different than where, like, my mind is type mm-hmm. thing. Like, he talks about stuff that I'm not necessarily, not that I'm not interested in, that I'm just not in. Um, right, yeah. But he's someone, every time I listen to him, like, he just seems like a genuine person. Like, he doesn't come off as, like... Right. He doesn't um, talk down pretentious to and, Right, You know, yeah. like, I am so smart. Like, he doesn't come he's off He's just a way. guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he's just like, I know that, like, this is what I I guess I know, the only, and, like, only time it ever happened was listening to a Sam Harris podcast where he got really into... I forget who he's interviewing, but it was basically, like... It was kind of like a bandwagoning with the guy he was with, like, podcasting with, where they were like, oh, yeah, my ideas are, our ideas were really similar like this, and they were, like, bashing some other person that wasn't in the room, and I was like, that's really unprofessional. There was... I forget specifically who it was, but that was one of the times that really, like, felt gross, when you have someone who's just, you know, pretending like their ideas are better, and they just didn't see eye to eye with the other person, and just kind of Mm -hmm. making it... I heard one... 
I want to say it was on Tim Ferriss' podcast with a, or maybe Mixed Mental Arts. I can't remember exactly, but there's some doctor from Budapest, I think, originally, who was a psychologist or psychiatrist and talks about addiction. Is that Gabor Mate? It might have been. I don't remember the guy's name, but they had a long conversation. Oh, no, he's not from Budapest. And... I think he's from Budapest, or had grown up in Budapest, and or his mother was in Budapest when the Nazis were coming through. Oh yeah, so I think that is Gaibor. Okay, so if that's who it is, and I thought that one was so fake. Like, there's a point where the guy seemed to stop listening and instead reverted to a script in his head that he had formed long ago, and then just mm-hmm. started. It was almost like they weren't talking to each other at a certain point. It was just wow. like, let me sh- just talk about this shit and we're not even conversing it's like let, let me, me just... give you a softball and then you tell me the thing you already had planned on saying right. it was I don't that's know, pretty that rough. was one of them I, I could I finished the podcast but by the end of it I was like oh I couldn't spend more than 10 minutes with this guy like no fucking way I hate that that yeah, is pretty rough yeah. I feel like one of the best examples of like someone who's able to dodge like the to stay on the edge of what's you're able to recount facts and not become wrapped up in sort of controversy recently at least is Michael Pollan he just wrote that book right over there it's the how to change your mind Mm -hmm. so he's a investigative journalist and he's done a lot of work with like just different plants science and stuff but recently he's dove into psychedelic research Hmm. and so when someone like him who's a inherently skeptical researcher as just a journalist and he decides to write a book that's on the hot seat right now and that could destroy your reputation because it's not legal yet (laughs) (laughs) and so for someone like him to be able to go through this and then be able to talk about it because I've listened to two at least two podcasts where he was on it and be able to clearly state the uses of these things and be able to give concise you know with not any woo woo Mm-hmm. It is really one of those, like, rare things. Because yeah. a lot of people get wrapped into the things, you know, they decide to dedicate years of their life into researching. Like, I think that's what Joe's re- was talking about with the other guy in the podcast, was, like, he doesn't get... He's just re- rehearsing his lines that he's all... Like, because it's his life's work. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't... You know, he's not going to shift or budge from those things because that's just what he believes in and will always believe. All right. I feel like I was. I just heard about this person, Michael Pollan. You probably did. He's pretty. He's on the circuit right now. Yeah, hopping around everywhere talking yeah. about his book. He was on Rogan's podcast and then a few other ones that I've been listening to. And then a, maybe that's where I heard of him. I heard of him somewhere real recent. So that's weird that that comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's cool though because it's 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 genuine. You know what I mean? Or at least you can take it. I haven't read it, so I'm kind of speaking. You know what I mean? Off assumption, but. It seems like something like that's genuine if someone is usually in one mindset and they kind of flip the script on everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd have to dive into it to find out more. But you find you find that a lot when you conversate with people. I don't know if you guys notice it. Absolutely. But have you ever talked to someone and, like, they're not – they're just waiting to respond and they're not yeah. listening to you and it's like, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> we know about. a lot of those kind of people that we used to know from high school that we see randomly at bars. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do. Yeah. But – Stuff like that when it's just like, hey, what's up, dude? Hey, what's up? That's whatever. <laughs> like, right, if cool. it's small talk, it's small talk. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's whatever. But when you're having like a 
like a not necessarily a debate, but like a conversation that you're invested in in some way or another, and like you're trying to relay your point across, and they just keep saying the same thing, reiterating the same point. It's like you're not listening. Well, it's even like trying to make new friends. Like when you kind of try to talk to people for the first time, and you're trying to start a conversation, and it's just like, you know, it's like getting a text message where it's just like, good, you know, that one word or okay. Yeah, it's almost (laughs) like the depth is almost the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no, there's no. You can't dig further. You can't go left. You know, can't widen the the area of yeah. things to learn anymore. It's just like, well, I guess yeah. this is where we are. And it's, it's hard <laughs> to value that. Yeah, it's super hard to value that. Um, How do you deal with it? Like when you get yourself caught in one of those things, I, with those people. I straight tell them. <laughs> that seems about right for like, you. Yeah, like if it's a conversation, I if I like really feel a certain way about whatever point I'm trying to make. Um, and I'm talking to someone and they keep saying this thing or they just are literally not, res- like, avoiding... Yeah, they just pretend like you didn't yeah. even ask those things. Or they do the things where they wait for you to say something that is like, I can use that. And they don't listen to 90% else of uh-huh. what you just said. That's the worst. Because, like, you can't... You don't nitpick what I'm saying, you know what I mean? Filter um, feed. Oh, yeah. It's like they're trying to win. Yeah, right, oh. exactly. I think that's a common That's a common. Yeah, thing that now. is common. That's so shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like... I think a part of that's because <laughs> the culture has changed where most of your communication comes through your cell phone. Mm-hmm. So when you when people are having a conversation, like I know a lot of people that even that I work with who refuse to take phone calls on their personal phone hmm. because they're like, just text me. I don't want to talk to you. Like he's like, they just refuse not, they don't want to have a conversation right. in like quote unquote like voice. Huh. Which I can see to some respect, but I think that's ignorant in, to some degree because mm-hmm. like text on a screen is so one-dimensional you can only get so much and it's like very easily misconstrued we've had discussions before me and joe with on previous podcasts about how you know you see people argue on facebook and then it eventually just devolves into talking past each other Mm -hmm. where it's you're just you're repeating your script of facts and then the other person's repeating their script of facts and you're just calling each other asshole in between and you can never (laughs) it's such a short format that everybody just looks past one you can't put in any depth to it Mm -hmm. Because who the fuck is because it would take hours and hours for right. someone to get. Are you gonna uh, write an speaking? essay for every response <laughs> that you have on Facebook right. at a difficult co- like thing? No, you're not gonna fucking do that. Guilty. You're gonna say the first like. You aside, you got more patience than me. Yeah. <laughs> I just quit I Facebook. Blind. I just stopped <laughs> doing it. But Jordan would get his boxing gloves ready when he wanted to stir the shit pot. <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't stir the pot. I just fucking Respond see the pot the getting pot? stirred, and I want to take the spoon and beat him with it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my problem. <laughs> or they're trying to go for seconds. He's like, "Come, you're like, get, yeah. get your hands out of here." <laughs> that's my issue. But anyway, <laughs> it's like because nobody's really put too well articulated remarks on Facebook, right. then it's really easy to misconstrue what people are saying, and that's how you eventually end up talking past each other. Yeah. But the same thing, I think, what you're getting at is with. The same thing can happen with text, but text is even smaller format. Like, yeah. it's like if you get a long text from somebody, like where you have to scroll. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah. like goddamn, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! Can't we just talk in person? <laughs> For real. So no, it, it sometimes that doesn't even happen. But I almost yeah. I don't. Know. So I could. There's restraints in the medium of texting, and I almost wonder. And I think the other point you were kind of alluding to or touching on was that being used to texting 
all the time. Ruins your vo- vocal. Makes it harder for you to have these conversations. Articulate, where you, yeah. Where mm-hmm. not only do you have to articulate and sit there and listen, but you also, there's a time limit for your response. You yeah. can't just look at a text and then respond two hours later after right, you've thought, after you've thought about it for two hours. And like, whatever. what's the best rebuttal I can make to win yeah. again? <laughs> right, because it's not a real conversation. That's why, so they take this texting combative your point, my point, serving into a conversation. It ends up being this cheap thing where they just are looking for the quickest response to you where a real conversation, right. you're not doing that. Your real conversation is you're present, you're, it's like you're cooking up a soup. Like you're, each person is bringing in their next ingredient into the thing mm-hmm. so that it slowly can turn into something more interesting and more valuable by the end of it. Right. It's like everybody has their own ingredient that they're bringing to the, the table. Right. But that just doesn't fucking happen when <laughs> when people are only interested in serving up some stupid rebuttal. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. It, and I think it really... I don't know if where the blame starts for that. Even if there is a starting point, it may just be human nature to want to go back and forth and do that like, well, this is my opinion and I'm right and you're wrong. Like... Just because someone thinks differently than you doesn't mean that they're wrong or doesn't mean that they're right either. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be right or wrong. Yeah, I, don't think, like, I think it's part of that is realizing does, there doesn't have to be a winner. Right. And to kind of realize that this is something you see with people who are like sufficiently advanced in their own fields, like physicians, or it takes a certain kind of self-awareness I'm trying to find the words but basically it's like being humble and staying humble the re- reason I say scientists mostly is like you see like not ones like that are older school but kind of like newer ones physicians where they realize like the science we're at today yes this is what we know so far or as best as the science tells us this is what holds true right so when you hear those kind of things those are really important because those are people who are not locked into their viewpoint of the world Whereas, like, if you look at it, even some of our parents are probably locked into their viewpoint of the world. Where you, no matter you, no matter what you talk to them about certain ideas, they're never going to change their mind, regardless of any science, data, or whatever. Well, part of that might be, well, this might take us astray, but part of that might be um, just I, fluid IQ decreases well, yeah. I mean, it's and just, crystallized IQ increases. Right. So you basically just get more rigid in your thinking, but you get really fucking good at it. Right, essentially. Yeah. That's why you become an expert. Right, so. that's what experts are. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's funny when they're wrong, though. Yeah. <laughs> in that thought, and they're like, well, I know how to argue the hell out of this. You know what I mean? Yeah, so and they, argue like it, <laughs> they argue it so well that you're kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> are they on it? No, no, wait, don't, <laughs> you're ever, don't do well, that. Well, that might be a good thing, because over. think about it this way. It's like, over time, they become masters of presenting the argument, right? And maybe that argument has produced something that is seriously functional in society. So they're, they become the defenders of that functional, how do you say, functional process, right? Yeah. That we've been enacting. So there's a process that's occurring and that is working and that you are an expert at defending that working process. Because if we just arbitrarily let that thing get like throw it away. argued into the ground and we just throw it away, we might be missing out on something that has been working. Like why... <laughs> fix it if it isn't broken kind of a thing true so they're the defenders yeah. of the not broken thing mm-hmm. but you also still need to make arguments against it because there might be a better way of doing it right or you might be able to build on that process but you have like these 
the new experts versus the old experts, and one is defending the position so that it can and continue to work, and away one is it. trying to either find a new way to do it or trying to improve on the old way. Yeah. And you kind of have to have them duke it out no, because yeah. right. who knows which one's right. That's what I'm saying. Is It's just being aware that our limited our knowledge is limited to this moment today, right? So tomorrow could have some sort of new thing that changes whatever your thinking is about some idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just being aware. It's being, it's aware being that self-aware that we don't know everything. Yeah. And I think, it, like, to get back to the talking about it, it, that in a conversation is, like, you can have a winner, but the way I kind of like to think about it is that the winner is the both of us if the conversation goes well. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I'm aiming to win, but I'm not aiming for you to lose. Yeah. It's right. us against whatever is in the way of this thing turning into something better than what we both came with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just evening out knowledge, because I think a lot of people don't, like, we always talk about the, um, what is it, echo chambers yeah. within society. So we, we don't realize it, because a lot of our lives are built around the things that we, you know, all of the social media apps show you things that you've already liked before, and show you, hey, you like those things, so we're going to show you more of those things that you already like. So it's really hard to find other opinions unless you actively yeah. seek them out. Yeah. So when you can have, like, ability for someone to sit down and talk with you or some way to, to show you a different side of things, it's a really, like, and not get, like, frustrated or, like, attacking about it is a really important part of it. Because it doesn't have to be, you know, come off of, like, your right is, your way is wrong, you know, like, that's immediately, like, someone bristles at that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you can come off in a way as, like, hey, this is what I believe and just, like, state points, not trying to win the... The, you know that's why like Jordan Peterson says debates are bad or was that you that says debates are bad I forget who that said it might have been I mean I remember saying at some yeah. point that debates are bad I don't know if that uh, was in our conversation I forget <laughs> who said it was but basically they were saying debates are bad because it always means there's a winner I also think that Jordan Peterson is bad at debates true but, but <laughs> side point <laughs> but that's because he's a lecturer he's not no, a debater yeah. but right. that's whatever that's a different issue. yeah different, different, different conversation yeah. but yeah that's just my point is when you have an ability to keep it conversational with different ideas rather than saying it's a right or wrong way can go a long way. Right. And I find that most out, outside from like, like the obvious, like two plus two equals four, but like <laughs> things like that where it's like, no, this is what it like the flat earth thing. It's like, that's not, <laughs> that's not a debate. <laughs> like that's not a thing. So oh, no. that, that is something where it's like, there is a clear right. There's a clear wrong on the internet. Yeah. You can be super good at explaining why you think it's flat, but no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, no, like a oh, cool, I want to hear how your mind works. I'd really like to get someone who could, try to explain that I really have no desire to talk to that person it no. is such a waste of time the only reason <laughs> the only, only reason I want to hear I want to hear someone who's so fully like belief invested will like die on that idea because I want to hear them explain it Joe's so I can kind right of figure out how their mind works dude okay just imagine their mind works so differently I kind of want to be like Dude, the way you navigated that was dope, but you're just so wrong. <laughs> like, like, you're crazy. Yeah, like, but, like, but it's interesting. Have you heard yeah, about the mole people underneath the earth, too? I have not. Uh, I don't know if I want to get into that. <laughs> I uh, heard a, it. As far as I'm concerned, it was Incredibles 2, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. Jesus, dude. I mean, so, like, aside from that stuff, most stuff what people argue or debate about isn't factual. So, at the end of the day, they're really... I feel like most arguments, especially those Facebook things... Facebook debates 
there really isn't a clear right or wrong. No, yeah. if that makes and sense. The other problem, and this might sound a little elitist, but it's just that a lot of times you just, especially on Facebook, is since anybody can say whatever the fuck they want. Right. Yeah. You just get a bunch of people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about talking yeah. about this issue. Right, because yeah. most of those people had about the same exposure. You know, like the five minute segment on the news, like oh, I heard this on whatever. You know. Yeah. Or they, that they go to, and then yeah. they just repeat it like rhetoric. Right. Yeah. Or they see it on Facebook, and, and then that's where they get their and information. And they share that video or that thing, you know what or I mean? whatever yeah. it was. And so it becomes a black hole, and that's the reason I got mostly off Facebook. Not because I was getting all my information there, but I was getting too um, invested, I guess, in those trying to show my opinion and then show people that were just right. wrong. Like, that's literally, like, dude, like, you can have a different opinion, but what you're saying is just wrong or, like, either cold-hearted or this or that. I got too invested in that, and then I'm like, you know, I need to step back because at the end of the day, this doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fair. Um, yeah, like, I just don't know if you could actually convince anyone on Facebook. Yeah, I don't think it's worth your time either. Like, if you, you really know, think like, about it, you got, I don't know, if you sleep eight hours a day, you got 16 hours, and minus another eight, so you got maybe eight hours of waking time that you can be... You know, yeah, probably what, even less than that because yeah. two at the gym. Right, yeah. Know. So maybe four hours of actual time, that's your own time. Yeah, you have a limited time. So of if you're using that to argue on Facebook, is that really worth your time? Yeah, especially <laughs> if you can make more genuine leeway, just mm-hmm. using that energy to have a real conversation or to improve like what we're yourself. Doing, like what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, reading a book, listening to a podcast. Just do something that helps you do something actually productive with yeah. your right. time. That's like why I can't really justify playing video games much anymore. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's it's a like, really fair argument. I'm like, I just, I have this energy and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to not really do anything with it. No. I'm like, oh, fuck. Especially when I know there are things I should be doing. <laughs> You're like, I could have been doing I'm like, this other I haven't thing. finished this book yet, and I've got like 20 more on the list. <laughs> that <laughs> like, never what ends. What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. That's something you'll never catch up to. That's true. <laughs> that is absolutely yeah, fucking true. I can spend never. every day of my life reading, yeah. only reading. You'll, never, yeah, you'll be just scratching the surface. I, before I f- ever finish a book, there's like two more that get added on the list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds dope. I'll read that next. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, oh. It never ends. Oh, piece of candy. <laughs> oh, piece of candy. That's cool, though. That's because it kind of, I mean, you should kind of, this would be cool if you like tracked, like, I don't know if you keep a list of all the books you've read, but if you. I just look, buy them. I just make just a book. <laughs> I just buy the physical book so that I like. You have to read it now. Well, that's part of it, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I started doing. Because I'd be like, damn, I really want to read this. And I'll keep saying that, but I don't have it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And so I'll just, if I'm at a bookstore, I'm like, I'm just going to buy it. <laughs> but I noticed I can never buy multiple books because then I'll be like, I'll get out of the mood to read one of them. Yeah. And I've already bought it. So uh-huh. I only, I wait to the right, like I'll finish a book. And then when I finish it, that's when I decide, I'm like, what book am I going to buy next? Okay. Right there, because I'm like, you know what? I'm in the mood for this book, and then I right. buy that one. Right. That's, that's actually... So that I'm good. always yeah. motivated to read the next thing. So right. I'm not like, oh, I don't really care about this book right now. Yeah. Like, oh, it's arduous to read it. Mm-hmm. You get like... Or you get like overwhelmed, and you're like, fuck, I don't even know. Especially if they're so different, it's like, damn, where's my mind at? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it'd be cool to kind of see, like, how you're like the growth or whatever to see like from where you started and to like where your minds went as you read more and more and like what maybe reading Tolstoy 
like reading that book oh. maybe like gave you an idea but oh shit and like made your mind be like oh like put it in like order of when i read them to yeah. see where my mind was going yeah i feel oh, like that'd, that'd be, be really cool. cool that'd be dope i might actually do that that's not a bad idea that's pretty dope yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like that yeah, that'd be cool dude I'd, i should just do that one day put them all in order yeah i don't know if i can remember some of the older ones i don't remember what i remember what got me got me started in reading because when I was in the Marine Corps, I was like, I am wasting away. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like there's no intellectual stimulation at all. Like, right. after after boot camp, like, this yeah. is well into the fleet, right? right, so, right. so the majority of my learning, like, per, like where I sit down and I'm forced to learn something new, was pretty much over. And it was just routine at that point. So I was mm-hmm. like, I have to do something. Got super crazy. monotonous and shit. Yeah, so I was like, well, what the, f- I should just read. That's something I could do. And then I was like, well, what the fuck should I read? Because there's a billion books out there, and right. I, you know, I don't really care exactly. So my thought was, well, I should start with the classics, because if everyone's been saying that they're really fucking good for the last, like, 500 years, there's got to be something. There's, there's got to be something to it. <laughs> right. like, you it read, can't just be all be bullshit. Reason they're, 500, they're 500 years old and still worth reading. Right. Yeah. Like, there's no way somebody was like, there's no way Frankenstein, I think Frankenstein was one of the earliest books I read. I'm like, there's no way that that's a classic for no reason. So yeah. I read it, and I was like, oh, this is dope. <laughs> I was like, I get it. This is cool. Right. So and then I just kind of went on from there. I kept trying to do, like, more crazy, challenging things. How did you end up into philosophy or psychology? Because I don't... You weren't always into that. Yeah, there's no, there's no logical steps no, that I, I mean, can see. It was really hard to get into that in high school because... There's no way to. There's, there's a, no one more. psych class you could take, right. and there's no philosophy classes that you could take. Yeah. So just getting in contact with that is just an accident, I guess. But well, not really an accident because it was part of the books that I was reading. But I don't remember some of it. I touched on after high school because I remember between high school and um, between high school and the Marine Corps, my parents sent me to like a two week camp. It was basically like a fundamentalist Christian intellectual endeavor. Huh. Hmm. There was just a bunch of different speakers giving argue, theological arguments, basically. Oh, wow. But they're pretty... It was... I mean, they're not entirely fundamentalist, and some revolved around politics and ethics and different kinds of things. So I got into contact with it a bit there. Thought it was interesting, but moved... When I left the church in the Marine Corps... I mean, one, probably I mean, for a whole bunch of reasons, but I was really disillusioned with the fundamentalist side of it. I still think it's unbelievably rigid and short-sighted and dogmatic. And and old, outdated? It's worse than that. It's, it's literally, <laughs> like, so rigid that it can't see past... It can't see past, like, 500 years ago. Whoa. It's stuck before the Enlightenment, and it will not let go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for the love of Christ, like, <laughs> no if you, yeah, <laughs> for the love of Christ, evolution is real. Right. Right, yeah. Is real. The earth is not 4,000 years old. Like, you have to throw away the last 200 years of biology and God knows how long of geology. You just have to throw it out because you have to, you just have to deny it. It's unbelievable to me. Like, I, I cannot, I, it drives me crazy. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus. <laughs> like, like for fuck. <laughs> like, how do you justify that? That's un, it's, it's sticking your head in the sand. But 
Okay, that aside. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you need to get off your chest, Joe. That shit. <laughs> it drives me a little crazy. But nothing to say about people that are fundamentalists. They might be nice or they might be horrible. I don't know. But that's something else. But, okay, so then later I started reading, and I don't know where I got into it when I was reading. I know I read Atlas Shrugged, and that's... Uh, justification for objectivism, a philosophy Ayn Rand created. It's basically like the purpose of life is to is to have an objective and accomplish it in some sense. Hmm. Um, that's really in a nutshell and not doing it justice. Right. That's a hard fucking book to read. That took me like two fucking months to read the first half. Damn. It's a big book. It's like this and the first half is dry as fuck. And it doesn't really take off until the second half. The f- whole first half is doing nothing but setting up the world. Holy nothing, crap. nothing but that. It's just like, here's a fuckload of characters. Here's all this shit. Here's what the world is like. Here's a bunch of just a, like, philosoph- and it's a philosophy book, basically. I mean, it's a novel. Like, it's a story. But the whole thing is to lay out a bunch of premises mm-hmm. for what happens and why things happen. And then the second half is it all comes to reality. Yeah. Huh. Like, uh, just to one point of contact outside the book is um, the first Bioshock mm-hmm. is a parody of Atlas Shrugged. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah. I feel like one of the game directors said something about that one. Yeah, time. I mean, the the idea of this eccentric, like, billionaire that creates his own world where the elite of the world can come to, and that's all based on, one of the characters is John Galt. He's, like, the drive, he's the MacGuffin for the story a little bit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, who is John Galt gets plastered throughout the first half, like, randomly. And he's a guy who realized that slowly but surely, essentially the government and other people were willing to take away everything that he'd worked for in his life. So he went and said, fuck it. I, it's like, the reason that you people still survive is because of the things that I contribute to the world. Like, I'm giving you things to help he's you like survive, and you're wealthy. taking all the fruits of my labor away from me anyway. Hmm. So he leaves... And creates Galt creates Galt's Galt, which is like a hidden world for these, like the ultra wealthy, the titans of industry, essentially the people that make huh. the things that we rely on. <clears throat> so it's a very right wing argument for the necessity yeah, of like individualism and not We're gonna and say, small don't government. Right, don't right wingers sure. and libertarians kind of use that? Libertarians as a, are big about it because it's, it is very libertarian. It's very um, it makes the straightforward claim that income tax is immoral, um, is immoral. The idea that Taking away anyone has any of... right to any other person's fruits yeah. of their labor mm-hmm. is theft. Hmm. So it makes that, and that's a very libertar- libertarian idea. Yeah, because I, I remember from Mixing Mental Arts podcast, Brian Callen, has, his dad made him read that book when he was like eight. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Because his dad is super right wing, but Jeez. also a very well read. Read that when I was eight. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. I was like 21, and right. That might have been part of the. But his dad, is hardcore, so <laughs> his dad is hardcore libertarian slash, yeah, Republican. It's interesting. It's an interesting. But he's book. not like a dogma dogmatic person. Right, it's just, right, right. That's what his dad wanted him to read because he's a businessman oh. at heart. You and, know, yeah. <laughs> banking. <laughs> you know, I mean that's basic. In a, in a nutshell, that is the book. And I think that's part of also where I got into philosophy. Because there's Seems a right. huge emphasis on rationalism in Rand's book. 
Like, it's he big, 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 big. Like, that's the driving force in some sense. And I think part of the search, just, just my pulling on the strings, came from your toward the end of the military for you. Wait, say that again? Like, because of the way the military was, like, when you were leaving the, the Marine Corps... Toward oh. the end, you had, like, you know, you had to oh, search for... what my life was like? <laughs> well, yeah, we had to, like, search for, like, a new, a new pathway. Yeah. So, to some degree. So, like, you kind of just latched on to books that were... I mean, I had a... Part of it. Yeah, it know? was part of it. Like, I had a full-on existential crisis. Right, that's what I mean. <laughs> in the last year of me being in the Marine Corps. Like, and part of it was a consequence. It's funny, because I can kind of trace it a little bit. <laughs> like, I... After reading Rand's book, and I bought into rationalism as the ultimate virtue in some sense, is thinking as the ultimate virtue. Okay. Of, like, faith isn't it. Faith ain't that. I'm like, so why should I buy anything? I'm like, well, I can well, think that's, through. That's <laughs> I'm like, well, I can think through finding the proper way to live. Like, there's an answer out there, and there's a way to find it. So if there's a way to find it, it's by thinking it through. And I thought myself right into nihilism. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Which I still think is kind of an inevitability. Like you I thought yourself that, into the dark hole. Yeah, 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 I thought that's exactly what happened. It, it feeds on itself. Well, it doesn't take much because no, it really doesn't. As soon as you, and that's why I loved Tolstoy's book, and that's also why I loved, um, and more on a more personal level, the way I was thinking was uh, Heart of Darkness. I thought was. Another book right, that, yeah, like, I remember you talking about just, that when you read that one. The When he comes back at the end of the book, after it's, like, basically all over, and he goes to the Sepulchre City, which I think is supposed to be, like, somewhere in some Dutch city or something. I can't remember. But anyway, he goes there, and he talks about how everyone in the world, it, like, he just is almost, like, just shocked by people just going about their daily lives Oh, Peter's like going said around, the same thing like that too. And all they're doing is going and they're they're buying fucking crepes and they're enjoying their ice cream and talking a bunch of bullshit that doesn't matter. And at the same time, in Africa, in the Congo where he was at, there's people just being brutalized and just the horrific nature of humanity mm-hmm. is coming to fruition. Like these terrible, terrible things are going on. And he's like, everybody's too fucking stupid to notice. And I was like, Oof. and I was like. Fuck. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Damn. So I read that's that. That's heavy. It, it is heavy. And I, that's kind of what I felt like to come in contact when I had the whole, like, crisis thing. Because it was like, I finally got it. I was like, life is horrifically brutal and people will do terrible things to each other. And I, for the first time in my life, I didn't just know that I was going to die. I understood it. Like, on a, like I believed it. Like, that's on a, a deep personal level. That's and it was a like, scary thing. Just like blew my fucking brain out because you finally yeah. understand, like, oh, so then why am I doing anything? Because everything that I do, I won't be around to experience the what consequences. I, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. eventually, any good thing that I do won't matter to me at all. And even if it's good for other people, they're going to die. So even the good things that outlast me won't outlast them because the people that are there to enjoy it won't last forever. And it's the whole Ozymandias problem, the poem Ozymandias mm-hmm. of the the gold touch. The no, no, that's um, that's the Midas. Yeah, right, right. It's this poem of uh, these two explorers, these archaeologists go and they they're sifting through the sand in Egypt or somewhere, and they find this just a small little plate that belonged on a statue once, and it says like I am Ozymandias. Look at like everything before you is my works. Look at them in despair. 
Like, look at how powerful I am, how grand and okay. incredible. And they look back out after reading this over the sea of nothing but sand and everything is gone. And all that's left, even of the statue, is just that little plate. And that's why the end of, um, just as a little side mm, note reference, no, I, right, I, the, I know end exactly. of, the end of Breaking Bad, yeah. right, is that same idea. So Spoiler. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, everything that I do, I'll never experience it's like again. It's for not. Right, almost, and everything yeah. that everyone else experiences even if it's good as a consequence of me they'll still die so, so everything dark. gets annihilated that's so dark everything ends up like just dust in the wind the sand over this in this back to the mud <laughs> yeah everything's gone and it was like for the first time in my life I fucking got it and I was like oh <laughs> like, I was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> so I thought myself right into that hole. I can see how it's logical, but at the same time, even though if you do something good, and that person, whatever that person it affects, to say that you, that cycle ends there with that next person... Well, you can add infinitum. Right. Like, yeah. Add infinitum. Say, when humanity, when the sun right, reaches flows. its fucking... <laughs> peak and engulfs the earth and everyone dies along with it what good was me being nice to you today have that's fair yeah (laughs) (laughs) it it is like as logical as you can get yeah it's like there's yeah but it's shitty (laughs) but there's no sentiment there's like no human it removes the emotional it's almost purposeless Yeah. yeah right so this is where so how do you dig your well not even how do you dig yourself out of it how do you climb yourself out of it (laughs) I figure that's what the meat, I don't want to say the meaning, but like the purpose of life is. I guess it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Finding well, I'm still on the journey, right? Everybody, <laughs> so, I feel like everybody is, no matter how close Well, I don't are. think, I think most people do what Tolstoy talked about. That's why What's I thought that? a confession was so brilliant. It's because Tolstoy had the same exact problem. Literally thought himself into that hole. Same thing. He writes, writes all about it in a memoir. A short, very short book, but it's really, it's unbelievably good. And he says people, there are four things that happen. He said, people live the ignorant life they just go their whole life and never think about it just don't bother they're like i'm never never gonna think myself into that that hole they'll never even try to address it that's That's where a lot of people stay there's the epicureans who are people that just try to live a good life whatever that means it's not they might think about it but for the most part they're kind of pursuing just a general pleasure they're not intellectually rigorous exactly they're not going to go that far they're just like you know what i'll just whatever i'm gonna do my thing then he says there's the weak point. They're the ones that realize this and realizing that, one, that everything they do is inevitably meaningless, and two, that suffering is inherent in life. So everything that's good that you do doesn't matter, and you're guaranteed to suffer in the future, period. Mm-hmm. He said the weak ones realize that and don't have the courage to kill themselves. And he called himself one of the weak ones. He said the strong ones are the ones that think themselves through that, go through the rigor, realize that point, and then kill themselves. They make the strong decision because that's the rational decision to make. End it before it's too. It says, "Fuck it." Like, Does it matter? Anyways? Like, none of it matters. Why not just be over with it now? Huh? Especially when you're guaranteed to have problems, and how many people really die a good death, like a pleasant one? <laughs> not many. Yeah. So you're at least guaranteed a horrific death. <laughs> <laughs> God, Jesus Christ! It's crazy. Should we, like, say the suicide hotline? <laughs> well, there's a positive. There's Tolstoy is wrong. Ooh. Ha-ha! <laughs> because he posed the problem the same way I posed the problem, that it looks like it's wrong. And I'm only realizing that pro- this 
problem now, really recently, which is interesting, but is that it, the question isn't what is the meaning of life. The question is what is meaningful in life or what provides uh. meaning in life. And then when you frame the question that way, it's not that the meaning has to outlast you. The meaning is only within the context of you experiencing it. Right. right. And that it meaning is only real if it's being experienced. So you can have, it's not that your life, your life is only meaningless if you're only doing things that feel meaningless, that are meaningless. Right. So you can create that meaning for yourself in some sense. That's the humanist idea. That's kind of like what Camus was getting at, that you imbue meaning into the world. Even I think if that's true. A, yeah. Yeah. I think I take it even farther than Camus does. I think he gets cheap because he just like take whatever thing is happening in your life and just make it meaningful. I'm like, okay, well, how? <laughs> this bowl of cereal. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And, it, and worse is if your life that's really is level. shit. Like yeah. it's garbage. Like yeah. you're in a concentration camp. You're doing you're Victor Frankel, which is what I'm reading right now. You're man's oh search God. for meaning. The beginning of that book is just powerful. Yeah, everything about that book. He's in literally in Auschwitz. And Dukau or something. Yeah. But they move him. But anyway. Where was I? Victor Frankel, Auschwitz. Meaning, okay, your life is that bad. How do you just view meaning into that? Like, the, it seems yeah, to really. me that Camus, at least in the myth of Sisyphus, I haven't read his other work, that he doesn't provide an ample reason for how you ought to do that or how, what exactly is the... I think we've kind of hit rock bottom again. If we have, as a culture, a question of meaning that's going on, and we're not really sure how to imbue meaning into the way that we're living. But we also need to find, the. in some sense, if there's a way to imbue meaning, is there a better way to imbue meaning? What about the most fu- the most possible functional way to do it? What is the most meaningful thing? Or the limited effective dose of to give someone like, a meaningful how life? How fucking good can you get at living a meaningful life? Right. What's the top end of that? Are there like LeBron James's of having a meaningful life. Right. And if so, why aren't we, like, studying this? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I feel like that's a lot of the stuff I read lately with, like, the... Like, Tim Ferriss' podcast, I think, is one of the better ones when it comes to that, because, you know, it's looking at people and, like, the top performers in any field, and it's not about what their accomplishments are, it's how they did their accomplishments. So you get to learn their routines, habits, and whatever tools they use to live their life. Right. Because it's not Teach how you... Teach a man to fish. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not how you do the big things. It's how you do every day. You know, it's how you live your Monday. You know, it's how you wake up in the morning, what you do to, like... I honestly... You know, it's like yeah, all the little, little things. things. I've been thinking about it, and I think more and more that success is a skill. Uh, it's not oh, yeah, that success 100%. is something that happens to you or that you... Like it's oh I sold this book day. and I'm on the New York Times bestseller yeah. or some, some bestseller or something. It's that you have a skill set that you've been practicing, right? And that that's what success yeah. is. Very very rarely do people get that lucky. Yeah, like luck really doesn't. It's, exist. it's the probability of you do like if you do this like a certain thing every day. You know, like why does an athlete get really good at a sport? Right. Mm-hmm. It's because they spent x amount of hours doing that sport. You know every day, you know, mm-hmm. and just yeah. doing it, right? And because of that, they then build up this skill bucket that looks like talent that they get better opportunities because they're the, you know, 
pinnacle of the field. I mean, LeBron James is probably the biggest example as we have today. I would I would argue that people like LeBron James. I mean, sure, he's gifted, and you know what I mean. There, but he's, there's a level he's just where one of like, the most visible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just for example, like yeah. obviously he was given a gift. You know what I mean? Now, but it was up to him to use what he was given. Right, right. A lot of people waste it. More oh, people than not waste it. I feel like everyone's gifted in something. It's not not everyone's born to be a fucking basketball player. Just be, being gifted doesn't mean it's easy either. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's not. It's it's even. I feel like it's harder for them because people can notice. Like if you're clearly gifted at something, people are gonna notice that, and then the, now the eyes on you. You know what I mean? So people are gonna in sports. People are gonna come at you harder, being like, "Oh, dude, this dude's six eight. Right. Dude, <laughs> I'm gonna play him hard harder than I would play you know the short guy." You know what I mean? Just looking at it that way, but. I would say the people who are the best, they are not really talented. They're not more talented than anyone else. They just work harder. Oh, there was and a like, there was a Ted Nugent on Rogan's podcast. He he talked about how when he learned guitar, he was like, I didn't learn it faster than any of my friends. He's like, actually, all of my friends knew how to do all the tunes better than everyone else. He's like, instead of trying to play like they could, I decided to do it my own way. And then that became... It wasn't the fact that he was better. It was that he made his own style up, mm-hmm. and people liked it because he was unique. Right. It wasn't that he was better. He just happened to do his own thing. Right. And it was it's a weird thing. It's the same thing with, um, I think I listened to Blink-182's, one of their documentaries, and they said, yeah, we kind of all sucked. But we all just want to do music. So we just, like, made a whole bunch of flyers, put them in people's locker, and say we were playing at this show. And we, like, showed out, a, like, a home, like, a home state venue and they're like, you guys can play here every weekend if you're going to sell out shows like that. No. <laughs> like, they just, you know, it's like, it's faking it until you make it, kind of. Yeah. Just do it. To it's some like, degree. It's like the love, you do it for the love of the game, in some right. sense. It's not for the success, it's for the, the process of getting to the, just doing it. Not even, like, being it is, a stature. It's like the essence, in some, it's their essence. The, the essence who of they struggle. are, and they're right. playing it out. Yeah. And I feel like, sometimes when people say, like, oh, you can't do this or that, for to be successful like oh it can't be for the money i argue that it depends i feel like whatever motivates you to do something it really doesn't matter at the end like that's your meaning Mm -hmm. i feel like everyone has a different one so their meaning might be like yeah you might i would say to push back a little i'd say that i'm not sure money is a sufficient meaning like once you have a lot of money then you gotta you gotta do something else right because you have it but and that's that's where i feel like where people get bored or, you know how the people who, I mean, going back to art. Or they stagnate. Do, yeah, do something. They're like, man, I'm just not happy doing this. I don't know what I want to do. Because their goal is money. Now they have it. Now there's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing else motivating them. So they're unmotivated. Yeah, just. Um, just well, that's where, I think that's where the greats fall into place. Yeah. Because the people who are the ones that stand the test of time, they're the ones that don't lose the meaning. They don't right. lose the, that, that fire inside of why they chose to do what they're known for. Right. You know, like when you hear, um, the, what was the one? Back to the artist is Aerosmith, the lead singer. Mm-hmm. When you hear that guy talk, he's like, I think he's like 70 now. And he's still like, he sounds like he's going woo-woo on you when he talks about mu- music. Because he just loves music. Right. For what it is. And it's it's weird like when you hear someone like that. Because you get that sense of like, that emotional connection to what it means to him. Right. But that's that's why that's why I personally love art. Maybe not even just art, but I love I love when someone's truly passionate about something, mm-hmm. and you can like feel it, and it's like, damn, it makes me interested in it. 
when someone can make me interested in something that I don't give a shit about, <laughs> I feel like that's like that's that's a talent. That's a I don't know if that's a skill. That's like a gift. I feel like that's where a true gift is. Where somewhere where I mean I correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys aren't huge avid basketball fans. But how many times have you, when you talk to someone who's at the top of their game, do you refer to LeBron or Michael Jordan or something? Right. More like, often than not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're passionate at what they do. Whether you're super interested or not, you know to refer to them and be like, dude, I don't really care, but fuck, you're good. You know right. what I mean? Their skill almost speaks for itself yeah. in some sense. I think when you hear stories like that, like, you can you can pull energy from those things, right? Yeah. Like, one of the one of my favorites one is, is uh, Jocko Willink. He has this thing. It's called Good on uh, YouTube and it's just him talking about whenever something shitty happens in the Marine because he was a Navy SEAL commander he's like he's like whenever something sh- bad's happening you always just say good he's like right because that's what's supposed to happen because when something goes wrong then we can do something to fix that you know you have more time to train more time to prepare mentally more time to do you know it's always just good whatever happens good <laughs> like you just get that like I'm not I'm totally selling it short you have to watch the video but yeah. it's freaking Amazing. That dude is a tank. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're in the Navy SEALs. He's a freak. He's a <laughs> yeah. I mean, he gets up at 4.30 in the morning every day because he hopes that somewhere overseas there's some guy not even sleeping at all, scared, holding his gun, because and jo- Jocko is getting up before him, so he's prepared, just in case. It's a, those, The guy's an animal. <laughs> it's, a, it's another world, the kind of mentality that, right, yeah. that survives the training and then becomes those types of people. Like and then you to be a commander. Be something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And the same goes to be said for uh, David Goggins. That guy is a man of steel. Mentally. Because you just hear the stories that he's put his body through and just... Like, to forge yourself into something like that is just... I don't know who that is. He's yeah. he was also a Navy SEAL, but he oh. was a guy that was about three hundred pounds eating shit, and then one day he said, "Fuck it, I'm not gonna be this person anymore," and radically transformed who he is, and now he can he broke the world record for uh, most pull ups in twenty four hours, and Navy SEAL just now he's a motivational speaker and just all around just a freak yeah <laughs> freak dude People. forged himself into a mentality that makes that's what I'm saying if somebody can if somebody can turn themselves into that who says you can't who says that there, <laughs> I think that there's a way of turning yourself into a version of that that is about meaningfulness yeah I almost wonder if that isn't like your spiritual guru types you're like Ooh. Your old man at the top of the mountain who bestows his wisdom onto you type of thing. I mean, it's to bring back Peterson, it's almost like what we saw when we were there and saw him live like a month ago. Where he, you have those people that just yeah. kind of, you know, the round of applause just because they round of applause. Like, not to be elitist or anything, but it's like, how many of these people actually know what he's saying or just agree with it? You know what I mean? Like, that kind of... I mean... The that, gurufication of the ideas. That's tough. They know. I mean, to draw the And line, I can't say either. One and, way I, and it, I don't know how you figure it out exactly. Either, no. Besides polling people. Right. A mm-hmm. test of questions about the math and the, not the math, but the, the science. <laughs> the ideology and the psychology behind all the philo- it. It'd be the philosophy that's yeah. like behind the things that he's talking about. And if you could find enough people that actually understood it. But I don't right. think that that's the point exactly. No, it's not. With someone like that because he's in a kind of a peculiar situation absolutely i'm not really sure what that's that what part he's playing 
I don't really know. But here's what I here's something that is definitely going to happen. The the intellectual dark web, the IDW. Yeah. That's a group that's going to be in the history books. Oh, e- easily. Like, it's going to be known. That's history being made, and it's kind of strange to see. Like, it's like yeah. whoa. Because, like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I listened to, like you said, the the Aubrey Marcus, Jordan Peterson one. And yeah. he brought it up in there, too, again. And I thought it was really interesting, because even Peterson's confused about it. Because the biggest thing he says is that the, the group of people that makes up this quote-unquote intellectual dark web have very little traits in common, like, along, like, what you could, like, normally say a group of people. Like, there's a lot of people in there that are categorically opposed to each other, like... Sam Harris and Dave Rubin. A good, the best example really or which is, one is, it? is Peterson and <laughs> is I would how would you say it was probably Peterson and Harris. There's Shapiro most known, yeah and, Shapiro and, uh, and Harris like, Harris or Weinstein either Eric Weinstein yeah Brett, are they're literally on opposite ends of the political spectrum like Ben Shapiro yeah, I don't know how much of these people you've a heard conservative not much. Yeah, that's what I thought. Not ben Shapiro is a conservative. Was he a comedian? No, no, he's he's not. He's a commentator. He's all okay. Politics. He's just a commentator. That's what I thought. I mean, he's sophisticated politics, right? So like, yeah. he'll talk. He'll bring up the philosophies that underpin philosophical oh, wow. I- or the political ideas. But he's a, essentially a political player. But in Eric Weinstein is a mathematician, genius level mathematician, and he works for. Um, but I think him and his uh, Teal Peter Thiel, yeah, yeah. And Brett, his brother, both, I think they both voted for Bernie Sanders. Really? And, but they're all part of the same group. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange like collective that, of people. You can't what, get more opposite. <laughs> what, what is the group? Do they just speak about things? They just part basically? of... It kind of was cut, brought up because of podcasts, honestly. That's how it works. I think Rogan's position is un, can't be overstated. He's the center of he's this the thing. Center of gravity. And he, it's funny because whenever people bring it up, he's like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, get yeah. away from this." There's a good um, there's well, there's good and bad New York Times articles about the group, but the good right. one is Barry Weiss wrote a pretty straightforward explanation. It's generous. It's not. An, it's not a hit piece. It's which is hard to find. Not a hit piece on these people, unfortunately, but. Um, that just kind of explains the group. Do they who's in it? Are they like hot takes? Do they talk about like? They're all hyper intellectuals. There's yeah, freakishly smart intellectuals that have all basically come into contact with each other in part because of Joe Rogan interviewing them. So Rogan's considered part of that circle, hmm. even and though he doesn't consider himself an intellectual at all. Right, <laughs> but he's like he really is. He's he like just, the mass of gravity that is pulling everyone into the circle. Hmm. And they are all, how would you say, you probably controversial for one reason or another, but yeah. are willing to talk with people across party lines. Yeah, like Sam Harris has talked like to all dope. of them, and it's been civil. Like, they've all had conversations. I think, was it just recently they had, like, an open discussion? I think it was one of Peterson's most recent Peterson podcasts. and Harris. Um, they had their first face-to-face, like, Conversation. A few, but they're not. You can't find them online yet. Okay. So they. I know it was just broadcast. recent because when he was on Rogan, he talked about it that yeah. they had. They're recent. They're just not online. Yeah. Uh, they be will be. Yeah. Apparently. Um, it usually takes a month or there's so. There's a production company that produced the debate, but apparently it wasn't really a debate exactly. Yeah, Peterson said it was more of just like a podcast, and then instead of doing a QA, they just talked for another hour. Yeah, yeah. So, so they it was did that. Cool. Um, that will be online, but it just isn't because there's a production company that did it and they have the rights to it. 
Um, they will release it, but they want to give because they're doing multiple of these. Oh, okay. Why put it online and undercut like right? They want to yourself after the knees they, at the next mm-hmm. three events. Right. They want to make sure the events get their due, and then they right. Once everything's played yeah. itself out, then they'll put it online. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that it, seems like a good thing. Oh yeah, it why really. Is that well, why does it get upon? shit on? Yeah. Because all of the one thing that they pretty much all have in common is a serious problem with identity politics. Yeah. And so anyone that practices identity politics and uh, why really has a problem. Eric Weinstein <laughs> too also has a lot of stuff about the educational system that he's pretty vocal about. Does he really? I yeah. Heard about it. Because like he's order against it. Against it. Problems with it. Because he well he he thinks elementary like grade school is. Severely outdated and doesn't help oh, kids. Duh. Right. <laughs> How's that controversial? Yeah, like, well, because it sounds like it's because right right. you want to take down the system, you know, because that's just what it is. So when people start saying stuff like that, they're like, Ugh. I hate people sucking yeah. the ways. Like, hear them out. <laughs> like this. Well, I mean, I haven't heard him out, but I'm just saying collectively, let's hear him out. He's you know? in. The, he's in Tools of Titans, the book I gave you. I haven't started. I'm just now starting to read it. Yeah, I'm still digesting the book I just read, and it's, <laughs> I highly recommend it. Which one? It's called The Bell Jar. Bell Jar. Highly recommend it, by the way. Author? Just so we have it. I don't remember. Did it end well? I know you talked before about it. it. had a lull. I like the ending. I don't want to give it away. I want no, you guys to read it that yeah, bad. Don't, I don't want to Don't give it away. It. It's fine. It, it was... I don't know. It was like impact. It was a very impactful book. Like now that I'm reflecting on it, and that's why I'm waiting to read to right. it because my mind's in a whole different fucking space right yeah, now. I so <laughs> what? This is a new thing I'm doing. So I was having a hard time of reading books because I would get distracted and want to just write. Now I'm like, mm. oh, I found a new fire to write. So I, I'm going to read a book, reflect on it, and as I'm reflecting on it, right. write while I'm reflecting that's and see doing it. what I can put out. So Tools of Titans would be interesting <laughs> to see what comes out of it. Well, that. that one you can kind of just pick and choose. Yeah, like, I'm, I know hey, I'm going to These, these people like, look interesting, or if like, me and Joe mention people, just like, yeah. highlight those names, so yeah. you can kind of get like a I'm definitely going to jump around that one. I'm not going to read it front to like... Yeah, you don't have to do that. Yeah. I do recommend Jamie Foxx, though. Jamie Foxx is in there? He's so legit. <laughs> <laughs> His podcast is amazing. It's just like yeah. him telling stories for two hours. I heard he's smart. I he's really... ridiculously smart. He met Ed Sheeran before Ed Sheeran became... He was, yeah, like like he, it was just some like because uh, Jamie Fox owns clubs mm-hmm. down in LA and stuff, and he he's like he opened had an open mic night, but it's a club where all black people go, mm-hmm. and, he, and all of his buddies there. He's like, who's this white dude? You know, Ed Sheeran. He's got red hair. Yeah. It's like he's like just just hear him out, just hear him out. All of a sudden he sings and he gives a standing ovation at the end of the night. Wait, Ed Sheeran? Yeah. Oh, I was like, who's Ed Sheeran? Like, are you, you kidding? Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I always say I that. You. I always yeah. mess it up. <laughs> I was like, wait, right. I've heard it said both ways. Singing. I was like, that sounds like Ed Sheeran. Like, I, I've heard oh. it said both ways. <laughs> <laughs> the way my, I put that together in my head, I was like, dude, that sounds so much like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> he, he also make, he also told a story about Kanye, too, where really? before Kanye became Kanye. Oh, God. And he gave a mixtape, and he's like, man, that's stupid. <laughs> and he's like, he's like... Two, two months later, he's like, number one hit. Yeah. <laughs> kind of had a cool story. His, yeah, his it was a really cool story. Cool. I'm totally not doing it justice, so I de- definitely recommend right. you go finding that on Tim Ferriss' I'll podcast. I'll check that out, yeah. It was probably one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Definitely check that out. I'm trying to think of what else. Well, we but, just came full circle. We yeah. just clipped right back into music right there at the end. Yeah, yeah. really? Yeah. That's a good place to end it, because we're at an hour and 14 minutes just right now. That's yeah, solid. Yeah. Sweet. This is fun. Post-fizzle. You gotta do this more often. Yeah, definitely. All right. Adios, people. Bye. Bye. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. 
I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.